0: Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and intern Kylie. That's the whole show tonight. That's the entire staff. Matt Moniz is out on a, uh, a Bigfoot investigation, and Stephanie Burke is at an event, I think down in Virginia, with Porter and John Tenney. like how they never invite me to those ones. <sighs> They know, that, they know that Tenny's my favorite person in the world, but, you know, they don't invite me to that. That's okay. We are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night, and tonight we are going to, well, we'll check in with Moniz in a little bit uh, from his Bigfoot investigation, and then I want to talk about something that's been in the news quite a bit for the last couple of weeks, and if you haven't been paying attention, if you haven't been... Uh, watching some of your local news for sure. I'm sure the local news has been all over it. I don't know how much the network news was. Did, it, did I did I go out over the Red Sox? Yeah. Bob Branco will send me a Facebook message complaining about it. But uh, as the you know the news has been coming out about UFOs, and we've had Navy pilots who have talked about their UFO encounters. We've had government officials who have talked about there being UFO investigations done at both the military and the government levels. So we have these trickles coming out. We have these stories that are coming out. And I can't remember who it was that we spoke to about UFO disclosure. I can't even remember if it was on this show or if it was on Midnight in the Desert. But I remember somebody saying that UFO disclosure won't start with a big reveal. It's not going to be a ship landing on the White House lawn. It's going to be something that happens slowly and something that trickles out so that people become accustomed to it. And when they get little bits and pieces of the story, it becomes more digestible. And I find it interesting that that's exactly what's been happening. Over the last few, I would say the last few years, really, we can kind of trace it back to uh, Paul Hellyer and uh, talking about how the Canadian government, the Department of Defense in Canada, had files on UFOs. We can go back even earlier than that to Nick Pope, talking about the UK's investigations into UFOs. But those were those were kind of outliers. And even when they would speak about it publicly, uh, when, you know, Steve Bassett would uh, have these national press club events where they would bring in people to talk about UFOs and impending government disclosure, it was never really covered with complete conviction by the media. They just thought it was, you know, an interesting little... Story that they could run what what we call a kicker in news, you know, a little something that you can run kind of before you go to commercial. And today, a group of UFO experts gathered in Washington D.C. to push for the government to reveal all it knows about UFOs. And then they'd show like a little bit of B-roll footage from the convention, and then the two news anchors would probably joke with each other, and then throw either throw it over to the uh, to the weatherman with some sort of UFO in the sky reference, or perhaps they would uh, they'd go to commercial on that. But that's that's about the level of sincerity that it would be covered with in the news. But now, now we're getting stories in the Washington Post. We're getting stories in the New York Times, which you can say what you want. I mean, if people are going to come at this politically, you can say, well, you know, the New York Times is the paper that the president keeps calling fake news. Washington Post is another paper that the president keeps calling fake news. Putting all that aside, those are two newspapers of record. Those are two newspapers that have a pretty good track record. And you can, again, people are going to say they'll print anything, say, to attack the president because that's where we're at. But just look at how they usually report news. Put, put the, the politics and, and especially the presidential politics aside right now and just look at what their reputations are as news organizations over the past century plus. That's a pretty significant reputation to put on the line to talk about UFOs if you didn't feel like there was some substance to the story. And they're not being presented in a way where they have the tongue planted in cheek. These are being presented as actual news stories. So it's become a topic where... If the news outlets are reporting it, if the talk shows are talking about it, and I don't just mean paranormal talk shows like this one or or Midnight in the Desert or, or Coast to Coast AM or any of the other shows out there, but if you have regular everyday run-of-the-mill news talk talk shows suddenly discussing UFOs, that helps to soften it. That's part of what we're talking about with the cutting it up and making it more easily digestible to people. So the UFO stories have definitely had a change in the way that they've been presented. But now the question is, what is the change in the way that they are read, listened to, watched, and accepted? That's the real question here, because... The media will keep reporting on it and keep tracking down those stories as long as there is an appetite for people to consume those stories. So if the, if the readership, if the, if the viewership, if the listenership, if they, if they are looking for more of those type of stories and they're willing to accept them as fact – There's a lot out there that people can report. There's a lot of stuff that we've been talking about for years, that other radio shows have been talking about for years, that other researchers have been looking into for years, that could all be on the table now as being front page news in the New York Times or the Washington Post or any other newspaper. So we're seeing a shift now in the way that the audience is taking it in because they're Getting it in a way that it's acceptable to them. And this is different than some of the way that other quote unquote paranormal topics have been brought into the mainstream. Because this, okay, we can say what we want about believing in ghosts, and we can say what we want about how believing in ghosts will affect the population. That if somehow, some way we prove to everybody that ghosts were real, it would have a philosophical effect on people. It would have a probably a theological effect on people. But we wouldn't change the way that we run the country. We wouldn't change the way that we interact with the world, with other people, with other countries. I don't think we would really change fundamentally based on that. We may become more spiritual. Uh, we may become more, well, less afraid of death, perhaps. Maybe more accepting of, of mediums. You know, there's all these little paradigm shifts that would happen as a result of that. But I don't think we'd suddenly be, you know, starting branches of the military directed to protect us against the threat from ghosts. Now, Bigfoot, for example, is another thing, or any kind of cryptid, is another thing that we we talk about in paranormal circles. That would probably have a little bit more of a real-world effect if suddenly we were to find out that was real. Because we would have, you know, there's people that are in the woods all the time. There's people who are always, uh, you know, whether it be hunting or just going out there recreationally, who, you know, maybe they change their mind. Or maybe we suddenly have, and they say, well, I I didn't realize that, uh, you know, those creatures were in the woods and now I'm afraid to go in there. Or maybe you have, you know, more people that are out there trying to hunt one and kill one. But it still wouldn't be this huge shift in in culture and in society. But UFOs? That could be markedly different because now you're talking about something that first of all, we don't know when it's coming. At least based on the, the information that we think we have, we think that they can come and take us any time they want. So there becomes... That fear, chances are, though, people, if an alien hasn't already come and abducted you from your bed, it's probably not going to happen at this point. You're probably one of the few that they're not interested in. Well, one of the many that they're not interested in. I hope I continue to be in that category. But there is a profound effect that will happen on the world because now now we know that we're not alone. And maybe that makes us a little bit more of a brotherhood with one another. Maybe that helps heal some of the differences. Very Star Trek of me to feel that way, I know, but maybe that's the case. Because, if you remember, in Star Trek, when the Vulcans first make contact with, what what was his name, Zephram Cochran or something like that? The guy that, um... It was the guy from Babe. I can't think of it. Uh, James Cromwell. The character he played in First Contact. So when he tries to build a rocket on his own and wants to launch himself into space and the Vulcans come down and try to... I don't know. I think they were trying to stop him or help him. I forget exactly what it was. But once they make contact with earth, everything changes. And in a matter of just a few years, there's no longer any countries, there's no longer any governments, no longer any war, no longer any money. You know, all these things that we are are tribal about just fall by the wayside because we realize that in the end, we're just one aspect of a universe of which there is many more out there. So I think that that would be something that would have a sharp change in focus for a lot of us. And I think we would also, the other side of that is, we become very, very skeptical about how much was known about this beforehand and how much of it was kept from us. And what the reason was that it was being kept from us. If you go back to, you know, World War II, in that era, I think, well, maybe even have, you have to go a little bit further back before that. Because we've had these, stretch. everybody likes to point to the 60s and the 70s. They point to the actions of the government in the 60s and the civil rights movement. Uh, and in the anti-war movement, and then in the '70s, uh, with with more of the anti-war movement, and then of course Watergate and all that. People look at those that era, and they say that's when people stopped learning to, to. That's when people started to learn not to trust the government. That's when people stopped trusting their elected leaders. But that's not true. There's always been scandal. There's always been power plays. There's always been reasons for people not to trust the government, and it kind of ebbs and flows. And it ebbs and flows really based on the leadership. You can say what you want politically about some of the people that were involved in these scandals. But the bottom line is they eroded the trust in the government. And then maybe the next person came in and helped to build some of that back up. And and, uh, and it's kind of been a, a cyclical thing for as long as we've had a government. But this would be, for lack of a better term, earth-shattering because now you're dealing with something that has it has ramifications not just for us and for our own national defense but for everybody that's on this planet. And that's a pretty big secret to keep. Now, I think that a lot of this stuff has been overblown over the years. Like, if you look at some of these stories, and, and I've been doing this lecture, Presidential Paranormal, where I've been talking about some of the different secret space programs and some of the agreements that happen between the alien races and, and our government and all of that. So there's, there's always been these stories. Uh, and I think we can kind of, at least in, in what I was researching, you know, you can bring it back to FDR, that supposedly aliens visited FDR or made contact with him in some way and said, we would like to start an exchange program with you. We will give you information and technology, which, by the way, this was coming in the days of World War II when they said this would be advantageous for you to get on board with us because we have the technology that could help you easily end this war and end this massive loss of life. So these beings must have been watching from afar, or maybe they've been here all along, but these beings were watching what was going on and said, we think that we can help you end this with the technology and the information that we can give you. And all we ask in exchange is we want to be able to take, I think it was 5,000 of your people, let us take 5,000 American citizens, abduct them, do our testing on them, and then we'll return them. Probably no worse for the wear or at least that's what they told told the FDR. and in that ex- and, and in that exchange, you get the information and the technology. We get the information that we want from your people. So that's the way that the story was relayed. Now, what's funny about that is, think about it, do they really need permission from the government to be able to abduct people? What was what was the government going to do to stop them? First of all, how are they going to know when they would be there, where they would be, and at what time, and, and even if they were, what could they do to stop them? So even the notion of trying to make this agreement is ridiculous. What's even more ridiculous is the fact that uh, apparently Churchill did agree to these terms. And the aliens kind of reneged on the deal a little bit and they took 50,000 people instead of 5,000 people. But really, first of all, what technology and information did England get from those aliens? Because I don't remember seeing it. And then also, what would stop them from doing the same thing to America? if they had really wanted Americans. So the other side of the story, too, is that the Russians were approached about having one of these exchange programs and that they did sign on board because, of course, the communist regime at that time didn't didn't really care if they were going to cough up 5,000 or even 50,000 of their people to be able to get the information and the technology that they could. But that's the way that the story goes, is that they they got on board with it. Now we don't think that uh, we don't think that, that helped them any in the Cold War. I think it was more a matter of having good spying on what it was that America was doing that kept them so uh, active in the in the Cold War. But you know that can be up for debate. So here's the the story that we're going back to is we're going back to you know the early 1940s being when. UFOs were interacting with our government and then if we want to take it to the 19 you know the late 1940s we have the Roswell crash and supposedly when that craft happened as, as part of the legend of that uh, there were two beings on board the ship one died and the other was kept at area 51 and I think it was five years that that creature lived is is the way that I remember hearing the story so so for five years, this being was in the care of our military and our government and was providing information to us to help us uh, with with uh, energy and to help us with uh, aerodynamics and to help us with uh, war efforts future war efforts defense all of that so if that is To be believed, it kind of syncs up with when we had a pretty big jump in technology, right? We entered into an age when we started getting more advanced more quickly. I remember hearing, uh, uh, it was just uh, the other day, I was listening to uh, Midnight in the Desert, and it was a replay of an Art Bell show from 2015 where he had Stanton Friedman on, uh, along with another gentleman whose name I can't remember, who was trying to he was trying to say that the moon landing was, at least what we've seen, is, is a hoax. I don't think he was arguing that we didn't land on the moon. He was just trying to say that the footage that we saw was faked because NASA wouldn't have dared carried that footage live because they didn't really know what was going to happen when man stepped on the moon. Which is a viable thing to believe. And also saying, too, by the way, that uh, the images just weren't good enough to send back. So they had to hedge their bets and, and have something going on in a studio produced by Stanley Kubrick so that we could have a clear impression of man landing on the moon. So that's something that we can discuss and debate. We can do it tonight. We can do it some other time. We'll certainly do it this year because uh, it will be the, the 50th anniversary of the of the moon landing. Uh, coming up in july so we can certainly discuss that uh, going forward but the bottom line with that is stanton friedman was saying that he was making the point that the technology that we've had in that time in those days he was working as a nuclear physicist for a number of different um, you know just uh, different entities so he worked for GE and some of the other and some of the aerospace companies and all those different places. Uh, he was working as a, as a nuclear engineer and he wasn't even allowed to use the computers he was saying that they had in those buildings. You had to write down what it was that you wanted the computer to, to figure out, what, what calculations you needed and then you would put it on a card and then you would give that card to somebody else. and the computer engineers would use would, would put those cards into the computer. And the computer would make the calculations, and then somebody would deliver that back to you. So they weren't even allowed to go and touch the machinery, which took up entire rooms. So one computer needed to figure out one equation would be probably the size of your house. And now we have computers that are more advanced than the ones that ran the Apollo mission to the moon. Everybody has one of those sitting in their own pocket. Some of us even have one on our wrist. So when you think about that, when you start putting that that um, when you start putting those side by side and realizing we're talking about something that happened in a fifty year span, that's a pretty big jump in technology. It was only a hundred what ten years ago? No, was it nineteen oh six? I'm trying to remember when the when the Wright brothers' flight was. So maybe 113 years ago that we even took to the air for the first time and sustained flight. And now we think nothing about getting on a plane and traveling around the world, or getting into a ship and traveling off-world. That's a pretty significant jump in a short amount of time. We've only had cars for a little over a hundred years. Now we have cars that drive themselves. Go back and watch some some television shows. That's probably just. Uh, that's probably just. Uh, no, nope, it's off the air. Do you think I should just uh, jump on the air? All right, so we are... 1903 was the Wright Brothers. Thank you, Sudan. I, uh, I always blank on that. but So we're looking at just the amount of time from 1903 to now. So what, 116 years that we've been able to basically say we can go anywhere. We may not be able to currently sustain flying beyond the moon, traveling beyond the moon. We might need to figure out some logistics in getting to Mars, but they're working on that. But the process is in place for us to be able to go anywhere in the universe. We just have to figure out that whole, you know, time thing. But that's a pretty big jump to make in 116 years. So just go back and watch some of these shows. Like right now I'm, I'm re-watching Deadwood because the movie just came out Friday night and I wanted to rewatch the series before I watched it. And I, I wish I hadn't started doing that and just watched the movie because now I can't watch the movie until I get the whole series done and I just haven't had the time. So I'm like stuck in the middle of season two and I'm like, oh, I only have like 17 more episodes to watch, but that's 17 hours of viewing I have to do before I can watch the movie. So you know, hopefully by next weekend I'll be able to have seen the movie. But anyway, watching that and looking at just the way that, because it's pretty historically accurate, in terms they, they, they went to great pains to figure out exactly how people lived in those days and to try to present as accurate of a version of it as they could. So if you look at that show and you look at the way that some of those people lived, And we're talking about something that was only 140 years ago, a little over that, 1876, 77, 78. You know, so if we're looking at just how much we've changed since then, the difference between somebody having to walk down the street with a flaming pole to light the way for people to be able to go from... Building to building at night, or to walk down the main thoroughfare at night in 140 something years. Now I'm looking out across through the windows of the studio across the way to the parking lot, and I see two dozen parking lot lamps in a parking lot where probably half of those would suffice. But that's where we've gotten to. We've gone from somebody having to carry a flaming pole to light the way to having an overabundance of light in a deserted parking lot where nobody is at this time of night. So that is a pretty, pretty, pretty big jump. So now we're looking at what we could do in those 50 years, or, sorry, do my math correctly, uh, 70 years since all of this UFO stuff started and we're looking at even quicker jumps than that and we didn't really have a track record of making these huge leaps now though the the argument becomes well but maybe that's because one advancement begets another advancement begets another advancement begets another advancement and that's completely true we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for the telecommunications of the 1980s and the early 1990s that pushed forward us to the point now where we can have computers in our pockets. And and really, the fact that these things are phones, like being a telephone, is ancillary now, as opposed to being something that would have been, you know, if you talked about this to somebody In the 70s or 80s, and you said to them, hey, someday, someday you're going to have the ability to communicate with people anywhere you are at any given time. We would think that that would be earth shattering unto itself. And as it turns out, it became the most minor part of what that was able to be. So that's pretty phenomenal. The other side of that, however, is that when you have, when you have the, uh, I don't want to say the competition, because it is a competition, but it's also one pushing through the other. By the way, Matt, next time that happens and the, and the goes off the air, let's not go on the air because the Red Sox are just, they just suck. And so, like, now I'm getting text messages from people that were bleeding through the game again. So, from now on, when the Red Sox are on, we will just not go on the radio. If it beeps, let it beep. Not our problem. It's, it's not our fault that things don't click over correctly. So, you know why I beep? Because I never slid ENCO back up, that's why. Let's pretend that didn't happen. So, the... The competition is there. They want to one-up each other, but they're also, in effect, working together, too, for this advancement. So we're seeing this increase over time. Uh, We're seeing this increased technology because you've got all these companies kind of trying to one-up each other. And so uh, we see it now with with cell phones. Cell phones are probably the biggest competitive uh, technological advance that I can think of of the last 10, 15, 20 years. Because computers, when you look at computers, computers are pretty much stagnated, right? Like they make little tweaks to them here and there we basically know what we're getting when we get a computer nobody's sitting there saying gee i can't wait for the new you know pc to come out this year and to see what the what the differences are from last year and and to see how much of a how how much of a difference it was from the last model that i had we just kind of accept those changes as they go along we accept those changes as they progress but with cell phones it's a marketing plan to let people know what those changes are, Matt. What's the processor in your phone? Do you know what the processor is in your phone?
1: Um, I think mine is uh, one of the Snapdragons.
0: Right. Do you know what the processor is in your computer? Uh, I
1: have a uh, Intel i seven Skylake.
0: So my point being would you even know about that if it wasn't part of the, the marketing for that for those things um well i mean i guess if I you mean, do maybe, research maybe I mean, you would because you're like a little bit more technically savvy but like they put it as a sticker on the laptop right right they put it as a feature on the box for the phone
1: yeah i mean it's a marketing thing Yeah, but with the average... You need the latest, you need the, oh, that i3 is garbage, you
0: need the i7. Most people would go to it and say, is it faster than the phone that I have now? And they say, well, yeah, it's going to be faster. Well, then that's good enough for me. But, like, now it's become, like, a a competitive thing. And it's competitive not just between the companies, but between us, too.
1: All right, you have to have... um a better phone than your neighbor. It's a it's a, right. it's a status symbol. What phone do you have? I mean, it used to be it used to be TVs. TVs used to be like a That's true status too. thing. Man, I like and now know. now people are like, eh, well, like the two hundred dollar jobber at Walmart is good.
0: You know, no do, n- do people do that? They just buy the two hundred dollar TV at oh, yeah. Walmart. Yeah, is it is the two hundred dollar TV at Walmart any good?
1: Well, the, it's it goes with the marketing thing where they just ad they have they have a $200 4K TV but it's not as good as like a 6 or $700 one but people just say well it's 4K
0: so well I'll the the 8K TVs are out now All right so the 4K TVs are going to drop in price anyway mm-hmm. have you seen an 8K TV in person? Uh, no, I haven't. Do you think it's going to be that much of a difference? Um
1: should I start saving now? I don't like I don't see that much of a difference in 4K. Like, I do, but it's it's to me, it's not necessarily worth it. I did, and now
0: I don't. And that's what bothers me the most about it. Oh, yeah. Is like, that, the first initial, like, mm-hmm. wow. Yep, and it, it, it didn't take long for me to just be like, well, that's what TV looks like now. Mm-hmm. And just, just became accepting of it. <laughs> and that's what I don't like about some of these advancements in technology is because, like, mm-hmm. I want it. But when you go back, you really know. That's true. And that happened to me. I had um, I had a really good television, mm-hmm. and it it died. Remember the one that I had that was like, oh, we're going to pull it apart right. and replace right. all the LEDs inside of it, and because uh, I thought that would be cheaper. But I went from having that to having to go to the TV that I had before that, and I was ready to just like read a book instead. <laughs>
1: like this is ridiculous. Right. Might as well just
0: use my imagination instead. Like when they give you that cable box and
1: they have all the HD channels and they have the SD channels, the SD channels should not even be there. Right. of like they're not even there.
0: And I do. I don't even. I have the ghost. Those. Uh, it ha. You know what? What the worst part is is sometimes when you like set the DVR, like sometimes it gets screwy and oh, it really? goes to the it goes to the uh then it's the ruined. SD channel. It's yeah. Ruined. I'm like, well, I'm not watching that now. Right. Like, it could be, it could be like, it could be the final episode of Breaking Bad, but it's in, it's an SD. Pff, sorry, I'm going to wait till the HD version's uploaded On Demand. Like, I, I, I cannot watch it in SD. What am I, a peasant? Just a I know.
1: peasant watching the standard definition TV. I know, I,
0: I can't watch 60 inches of standard definition. Scoff. Just scoff. <laughs> <laughs> I went to that, right. uh, that electronic show a couple weeks ago with Taylor, and, they had an old 1948 television mm-hmm. that was hooked up to a VCR, and the person was running, like, a, a, old, an, old TV an old Western movie nice. through the TV. And I was watching that, and I was like, oh, it's really cool that it works, but who's going to watch this? All right. Like, it's coming out of one speaker. It sounds terrible. It sounds muffled because, the, you know, not only is the speaker old, but it wasn't that great to begin with. And the the picture, like, you had to keep adjusting the horizontal hold on it. And I was like, well, how come it won't stay going with the horizontal hold? And then the guy was like, oh, that's kind of how those TVs were back then. Like, you were constantly getting up and changing the horizontal hold. Hmm. Like, phew, first of all, getting up. Like, I'm watching <laughs> right. TV.
1: I remember when I was a kid we had to uh
0: I'm not watching TV so I can exercise.
1: We had to adjust we had the two knobs and we had to adjust the uh the channel every once in a while. Yep. You had the vertical
0: yep. hold and the horizontal yep. hold. Yep. Uh and then remember you used to have to go to channel thirteen on one dial so that you oh, could yeah. go to yep. fifty six on the other dial?
1: Yep. Yeah. That's That was crazy. That's a wild a wild and, wasteland. And and, and what's
0: then. you know, you see all these uh you see all these memes that are going around on the internet where people are like, it'll be like a, a picture of a cake, those cake containers, like that you buy a cake in the store, right? And it says like everybody can hear you opening this at 12 a.m. You know, like all these things that like people can hear in the middle of the night because it's so loud. Oh, I don't yeah. think I don't think there was any sound louder than trying to switch the TV channels on a TV in the middle of the night. Right. <laughs> like you could, you could. So you're trying to sneak watch television after you're supposed to be in bed. Mm -hmm. On the little – I had a black and white for my first TV, and I'm not even that old. Like, I just – was my first TV was black and white because, like, my parents were like, why does he need a color TV? It's $25 more. Like, he'll be fine with black and white. He doesn't even have a TV in his room right now. He'll love this. And so I, (laughs) I had a black and white first, and I would keep it really quiet so that nobody knew that I was watching TV. Like, I knew just how to have the volume so that I'm almost, like, pretty much watching their mouths move. Right. But, and so nobody knew I was watching TV and, and I had the, the, the brightness control so I could make it really dim so nobody knew the TV was on. Perfect. Can get away with watching TV until two in the morning if I want. Except for if I had to change that channel. Yep. Chunk, yep. chunk, chunk. Like every time you did it, you knew it just was reverberating throughout the entire house. And, yep. uh, and sure enough, you know, you, you, you might get away with doing like one slowly, slowly. But then you, like, you realize, like, okay, no, it's it's 11 o'clock. Freddy's nightmares are starting. I have to put it on right now. Mm-hmm. And then so you're like, I can try to at once. Chum, chum. And that's what your brother is always like, turn the TV off and get to bed. <laughs> so, right. yeah, that it was, has.
1: It was always a debate. Do you do it really slow and, like, hope it's quiet? Or do you just get it over with and just this, pretend to sneeze? Or- it,
0: <laughs> and I remember, I remember, like, taking it. And you do that thing where, like, you, you move it so that it's almost completely changed, but it hasn't changed yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're like, oh, I'm almost there. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it just a soft click. And then it still makes the chunk sound. Uh, those. <laughs> those, The struggles. The struggles. People of, will never understand what of, that was like. Of late night TV. I, um, I wanted to go to a, just as a side note, I wanted to go to a... a, a estate sale today but i just i slept in because i worked all day yesterday and i didn't feel like doing anything but i wanted to go to this estate sale in brockton because they had predicted tvs have you ever seen those no from like the 50s where it was like it was like a monitor on like these two arms and then like all the guts were underneath it hmm. so it's kind of like a very spacey like monitor thing i'll show you a picture of it after the show you'll be like oh yeah yeah no I, i've seen those but um I want to get one of those to put in my my house since now I'm collecting classic TVs. I huh, guess there you go. I don't know. I like it. I, li- I like.
1: turn them into uh, fish tanks.
0: This uh, this is you know kind of getting off the subject a little bit, but there was a time when the electronics in your house was furniture, All right? And like it mattered to the decor of your your room. So you went out and you bought something that looked like it was going to belong in your living room, or you built your living room. Based around what it was that you have, and people don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like now, they hang the TV on the wall. Right, and uh, in comparison, I guess TVs
1: were like TVs was were like a significant significant purchase. It was like buying a car.
0: Yes, and uh, I have a, an advertisement at home of uh, RCA Victor televisions where they're pushing people to get a second radio in the Mm -hmm. 1940s and this was considered like a luxury purchase to have a second radio so they were advertising you know these affordable second radios you could put elsewhere in your house like that's that's amazing to me because now you can go get a radio at the dollar store you can build you
1: You can build one you
0: can build a radio out of like tin cans and nails and wire and there was at that electronic show there was a little kit to make a radio out of an apple
1: Hmm, that's cool
0: so, yeah, yeah, it just uses the apples to make the radio, I guess. I don't know. Remember that time that we told your cousin to change a light bulb by using a potato, a broken light bulb by using a potato, and it got zapped? Yep, that was fun. <laughs> so, I, it's all I could think of when I saw the Apple radio. I'm like, it's kind of funny that you used to make a radio out of an Apple, and now nobody listens to the radio anymore because of Apple. Ah. Hmm? hmm Everything's full circle. Radio is still huge. I'm just kidding. Everybody listens to radio. They do. Even if you're listening in your car, you're, you're even if you're on a smart dash, you're probably listening to a radio station. But anyway, that's that's an aside about the advancement of technology. But I'm talking about something that happened when I was ten. So I'm 31, uh, 41 now. So 31 years ago, in that amount of time, we're talking about you know going from a TV that went ka-chunk 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 to now most TVs don't even have buttons on them anymore. All right. I don't even think my television has buttons to, turn, to, to operate that, the channels or anything.
1: It's weird that it doesn't. Uh,
0: and, and I don't and I don't think I've I ever mean, had to use any buttons on it.
1: I mean, do you think that um, some of these, uh, like encounters from like the 1940s and 50s and things like that, are we're just um, kind of uh, like government tests?
0: Uh, like like some of us. well, because
1: they say they say like our technology it, that we have now is already 25 years old mm-hmm. the government is it just like every other country uh, our government is working on stuff that we won't see for 25 years right so right now we have drones 25 30 years ago maybe those sightings of ufos were like tests of well, I, I'm thinking about like, uh, tra- training drone pilots.
0: Uh, uh, okay, I'm blanking on her name, but we had her on a few months ago, where she was uh, describing to us her UFO encounter that she had outside of Boston, mm. and she had mentioned these little things in the 1960s that came into her and in her sister's bedroom. Mm. These little flying things that came into her sister's bedroom and seemed to be like looking at them and watching them. Like could those have been drones? Could we have had the drones that we have now in the '60s? Maybe, uh, and that's what.
1: Like, um, I mean, look at the um, like when when was the, the the stealth? Remember the stealth bomber that was like a big deal when like the it came out.
0: Right, because but, we are we'd already there'd already been rumors that they had one.
1: Right, but that that had been in development since like this, the early
0: '70s. And so. they claimed, you know, then they're like, well, that's impossible. We don't have that. And then as, as it came to be, they, they did have it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, and, and they kind of had to backtrack and say, yeah, we did. We did have it longer than we told you about, but, you know, national security. So, yeah, no, I think that a lot of these encounters that we've had or that have been reported have been just what you're saying, you know, tests, mm-hmm. especially in, in the 40s when, People are seeing all these flying saucers and all these different shapes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: especially when you look at like the black triangular ones. Oh, I saw this black triangular right. ship. Well, that's you're pretty much describing the, the the stealth bomber, right? And so when people are having these experiences, then yeah, some of those might have actually been these things out on test flights or mm-hmm. um, you know prototypes that were in development, but. The, the different stories that we've had where it's been close encounters, where it's been abductions, where it's been all... See, here's the thing. And, I, and I, I, if Moniz was here, we would fight back and forth about it. There, I don't know if there's enough people that are claiming to be abducted by aliens that I can feel comfortable saying one way or another that it's all in their heads or this is really happening. Because, like, what percentage of, of people do you need to have being abducted before you say to yourself, well, maybe this is a real phenomena? Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's the palatable number of people to say, okay, well, that must make it legitimate?
1: Right, and, I mean, there, there could be, um, who knows how many people, like, if it does happen, how many people are getting abducted where they don't.
0: Right yeah, we're just talking about people that have been able to figure mm-hmm. out the scenario or have right. a recollection of it so or, heard- or even or just maybe there's people that aren't even talking about it
1: yeah so like I don't know I, I guess hypothetically speaking if they were um, aliens were doing like uh, like scientific testing and doing these ab- abductions to do like series of tests over uh, our, our lifespan or their subjects' lifespan. How many billion people are there in in, right. in the what, world? What else like, do you need to know? Like what? What? Well, what? Uh, like like you said, what percentage of that billion, or, or billions, do you need um, for your research?
0: That's true too. Yeah. At one point, do you not
1: just reach the? I mean, maybe maybe we're just, maybe we're thinking of, of thinking of it in terms of like the way humans uh, do their research, or maybe it is humans. future humans humans. humans. who knows there's so many there's so many fringe ideas
0: but but that's the thing but and and so you mentioned that you mentioned the fact that these are all fringe ideas Mm -hmm. so then why are there so many people though that are claiming that they have this i I mean i think if you can get a room together of 200 300 people that say that they've all been abducted Mm -hmm. by aliens that's that's pretty significant But I also could dismiss that and say that's 300 people that could be out of their minds or it could be, you know, having, uh, screen memories of something else. You know, like I could, I could, I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying that I could make that argument. I could see that as being a possibility. So at what point does it hit that number where you say, you know, like, like the old album, 50,000 Elvis fans can't be wrong. Right. So, you know, 50,000 abductees can't be making it up. So I don't know if there's like that magic number, that magic percentage where you say this, is, this has got to be something that's legitimate. I think that if one person comes to you and says, I've been abducted by aliens, that's at least enough to entertain the notion, the possibility that it's real. Right. But it doesn't prove it. Right. So I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where we're going to accept that based on the information that we're getting. I, I don't know even what could happen other than knowing everything there is to know about aliens and abductions before people could believe that. So it's 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 not... See, that's the thing, too. The other thing that people say is, well, it's just people looking for attention. But are they? Because is that the kind of attention that you want?
1: Right. I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, you don't really get that. You, you get... I guess made fun of, I guess for the most part it's not
0: like um,
1: it's not like being a cool ghost hunter, you know? <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> right. It's not like you not you're not a you don't come across as badass because you've been abducted right. by, by aliens. But that's the, and I, mean, I don't want to say anything
1: bad about uh, UFO abductees or but um, they they I mean people the general public does kind of look at them as kind of like kooky or
0: right you know, and let's face it. A lot of them are, especially the ones yeah. we know. <laughs> but that's the thing is that, you know, who is there going to be a personality type to these abductees? Because, you know, despite what the X-Files may have showed us, there does right. seem to be a bit of a personality type involved in who's abducted. Now, you might say that that personality is shaped by the fact that they are abducted. Right. You know, yeah. but like it's, it's, and they'll tell you, you know, Moniz will sit here and tell you that people from all walks of life have been abducted, but people from all walks of life aren't necessarily the ones that are out there talking about it. So that could be why my viewpoint on this skewed I mean, too. Uh, for all we know, maybe they're just choosing people of a
1: certain criteria.
0: Mm-hmm. Very possible. But in the end... You know, that's, like I said, there's there's only going to be so many lines in the sand you can draw to say that that's uh, how far I'm willing to go. Like, at some point you have to say, well, if there's that many people, then there must be something to it. Like I said, it only takes one person claiming it for it to be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Now... Again, that's not to say that I don't believe the people who have told us that they're abductees, but I'm also willing to entertain some of the alternate theories of what it is that might be making them think that they're abductees. And I will want to talk about those with them so people can't be upset. If you're coming on this show, for example, and you're saying, I've been abducted by aliens, and if I want to say to them, well, what other things have you gone through in your life? Has there been any other type of trauma? Is there something else that this could be, you know, a mask for? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if those questions have to be entertained to be able to get to the bottom of it, do you think somebody's going to put themselves into that situation just for attention? Like, yes, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to go on this radio show and talk about being an alien abductee. Uh, and then when they ask me if I've been, you know, sexually abused as a child, because that is something that is coming up a lot with abductee cases you know they're going to start asking me about that and if i want to be a truthful person and i have encountered that in my life Mm -hmm. then i'm going to have to admit on a radio show that yes i was sexually abused as a child you know which by the way now that i say that out loud it's really irresponsible of us to even ask that because why would you be outing somebody as a victim and than essentially victim shaming them by saying they're making up a story about aliens, right? That'd be bad form. We're not going to do that anymore. Let's not do that. <laughs> but, but now you are putting them in that position to have to, you know, admit to that. So you are you are you you are going to be put under intense scrutiny if mm-hmm. you say that you are an abductee. So I can't imagine it's something that most of the people that do it just do it for attention. And I can think of a number of people who would say anything to get attention. In fact, most people would be willing to go a little crazy just to get some attention.
1: Mm-hmm. Like a, like being a winner? Or something?
0: <laughs> like for the lottery? Or the uh, publisher's clearinghouse or something? Yeah. But I haven't switched over to the radio yet, so we can we can say it. Like, <laughs> some people are just outright nuts and claim that they've won billions of dollars from publisher's clearinghouse. That's true. Just so they can keep calling in to talk radio shows and, and talk about it mm-hmm. again and again. By the way, do you think that if he really does win like two thousand billion dollars, I don't even know. I'm making up numbers now. Right, 110 billion dollars. <laughs> 110. If he uh, if he come if he really does win that much money, do you think like he'll get to know about UFOs? Like that's gonna be the next phone call we get from him. He's like, "Oh, they're going to give me uh 11 billion dollars and uh 14 cars including a 1985 Toyota Celica hatchback because he always has these obscure weird cars oh, right, like, who yeah. would win one of those." <laughs> and uh and then in addition to that, oh, and also uh they're going to give me every single document they have on UFOs going back to the 1940s. Right. Like it's just a little something to sweeten the pot for making him wait for so long.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh we can we can certainly <laughs> we can right. certainly uh You know, understand that some people do want to have attention and they'll go as far. I mean, look at Kylie. Jeez, the stuff she just makes up in there, like all the stuff she keeps saying. And we're like, Kylie, stop talking. First of all, the show is not about you. (laughs) I just want to make sure she was paying attention. So, uh, yeah, we can take your phone calls, too, by the way. 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420 Eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. but that's the question that i want to ask to people so if ufos are real and if they come out and tell you that they are real well what does that mean what how will that change your life to know that we're being visited by beings from another planet will that change your life Many of you that listen to this show probably would say, well, I already assume that that's the case, so it doesn't have any effect on me. But will there be any kind of paradigm shift for you when it happens? I think there will be for, for the world. That goes without saying. But it doesn't mean that it has to change everybody on a hugely individual level. I don't even think, you know... Everybody knows that I'm pretty much predominantly a ghost guy. But total outright belief from every person in ghosts would not change my life any. Like, might make some of the conversations I have with people a little bit more interesting. I might finally get, you know, I'll really enjoy people telling me, hey, you were right. Because everybody likes to be told that they were right. But I don't think it would change who I am. I don't think it would change the things that I believe in. And I don't think it would change my outlook on my own life and what lays on what lays beyond it, because I kind of have already accepted it.
1: Do you think that's different for um,
0: uh, for aliens or
1: extraterrestrials if we just got that knowledge right away?
0: I think it is definitely different for. Um, it's definitely different for people with aliens. Mm. I think. I think UFOs would actually be a little bit more digestible for people if you just said that there's something uh, in the sky when people thought there was something in the sky that we can't explain. Mm -hmm. I think people are willing to accept the UFOs. I think actually considering what might be piloting them and what might be behind them is a different story. The best case scenario, I think, this is just my own opinion, But I think the best case scenario for people to be able to accept it and understand it would be what you mentioned before that aliens are just, you know, future humans. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be something that I think people could accept. But then the question becomes well, what the hell happens to us that they're so worried about what we're like now? Because we can. Climate change. Well, and we can look at, and I I talked to a guest on Midnight in the Desert not that long ago, where we talked about the physiological differences between these beings that people are seeing Mm -hmm. and humans of today, and how much of what they are viewed as is just a natural progression of mankind. That, you know, a a million years in the future, we could very much look like that. I mean, it's not that uncommon.
1: I mean, if we keep uh, being glued to our phones and never leaving the house, like... Your arm's going to get skinny. You're going to be pale.
0: Yep. Your eyes are going to grow really big. Uh, Your pupils will grow really big. Um, We already have far less hair than we had when we first started out. Mm -hmm. So, and and I'm, you, listen, you can fight me on evolution all you want, but you still have to admit that earlier versions of mankind were much, much hairier. That as we have been able to, you know, create heat for ourselves and, and create fire and, and and wear clothing and all of these things. We've had less of a reliance on body hair. Uh, and and there's even bits of forced evolution that we can actually say, you know, like they've done this with dogs where oh, right. they've like yep. bobbed, ta- bobbed tails off of dogs to the point where then the, the breed of dog just doesn't have a tail anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that's something that we did Without it, without altering genetics at all,
1: right? I mean, they do that with um, uh, our food, like when when you talk about um, GMOs. Like it's uh, it's the biggest part of GMO is like cross pollinating and uh, creating a stronger future plant.
0: Mm-hmm. Like the the, the you know there's this whole. Um, this whole movement toward trying to purify things to what they used to be, especially with food, you know, like I just look at like heirloom tomatoes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, they taste really different. Oh yeah, than yeah. than regular tomatoes, and people are like, well, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. Like we need to get back to what it is that is we're supposed to be eating and supposed to be consuming. And but not everything works that way. Like we we wouldn't be able to handle that. Could you imagine trying to handle like non pasteurized milk? All right. Yeah. Like it would kill us. Like we just don't have the ability to be able to deal with that. But mm-hmm. you know, our ancestors got by with it. So that's you know, little things like that are bound to happen anyway. But we will, we will look like gray aliens at some point. So it's not that it's not that unbelievable that they could be future human beings. But you know, also you know, you had mentioned climate change and I know that not everybody listening to the show agrees on whether or not climate change is real, but if it is, spoiler alert, it is, but if it is, then what happens is we would have less hair as the temperature increases. And we would probably, I think, we'd go outside less as a result of that too because we'd still want to stay inside and stay out of the the heat.
1: We'd become like...
0: Mole people. It's probably not a bad idea. I don't, I don't, I'm not really, uh, there's not a huge draw for me to go outside. (laughs) Right. Like, I kind of like just staying in my house. I might also be in a bit of a funk right now, but I also like just staying in my house and watching television and, you know, yeah, I'll go outside and like mow the lawn and like do the things that I have to do, but. I don't know. I just don't enjoy spending time out there right now. So that could just be me.
1: I like getting outside sometimes, but it's always, it has to be like outside to do something. I'm not a, I'm not a, let's uh, sit in the yard for hour type, hours right. type guy.
0: I'm not like, I'm going to read this book. I think I'd rather right. read it out in the yard than read it on the couch. Like, no, on no, the couch is fine. Yeah. Um, but then again, like then I go out and I do something and I'm like, oh, this is great. I need to do more stuff outside. So it's not like I'm against it. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not my natural inclination. Uh, But I think that we will see, you know, as we develop as a species, we will see more characteristics of, like, what we're seeing with these grays. So if that's what it is, if it is future human beings, that might be a little bit more palatable for people than to think that it's beings from another planet. Mm Mm-hmm. It's still weird, and it still takes some getting used to, but being something from somewhere else that has the ability to get here is going to be far more concerning. But I also look at it, too, it's a huge cheat code for figuring out the universe, too. If somebody can just come down and give you all the answers, that's that's got a lot of value in it too Mm -hmm. so if they if they can come down here and say like uh hey i'm somebody that is from uh you know this planet you know five light years away i don't i'm i don't even know like space geography to to get this correctly but if they're like we're from five light years away well how did you get here because we can't even get we can't even make the jump one light year Mm -hmm. so if you can explain that to us well that's going to open up a whole bunch more of ability for us to travel and learn and it's I I have to say it's not impossible right because if we've been able to leave the planet then it's not impossible to be able to go anywhere it's just figuring out these little problems that have to be figured out along the way so if they're coming down giving these answers well we just became a more advanced civilization just by just by knowing them so i think that will have a a pretty good effect Mm
1: -hmm. but but is that um i guess that raises the question is that necessarily good because um, aren't we do you think we would be like are does it make us a little bit dumber getting all the answers like are not we supposed to earn those answers You know what I mean? Like, are we ready for this? Are 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 we ready well, for all this new technology? Uh,
0: to me, I, I'm a big believer in the answer and 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 the destination isn't always isn't always the important part. Mm. It's it's the journey that you took to find that answer to find that destination, because that's where that's where the lessons are learned. That's where the character is built. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's part of you know you need that you need that process, but also. There's some stagnation or not, maybe not stagnation necessarily, but maybe not. People don't feel like that is a huge thing to put resources into right now. Like people look at it and they say, well, why, you know, if we've got all these problems on this planet, why are we so worried about spending money trying to figure out how to get to other planets? And we don't, we all know the real reason behind that is because let's just trash one and move on to another. Right. Because that's way easier than fixing the problems. Right. You just need a reset. Yeah, it's it's exactly, it's what we do, you know. If, if if we show up at a beach and somebody left a big mess where we wanted to have a picnic, we don't go clean that mess up before we have our picnic. We just move down the beach and have our picnic somewhere else right? and probably leave our own mess behind. It's just our nature. But anyway, so let's just say that uh, they do decide to, you know, to put more emphasis into doing this and to getting out there. Do you not think, like, we're going to, we're going to go out and try to colonize other planets. Like, if all of a sudden it becomes somewhat, for lack of a better term, easy to go to Mars, Mm -hmm. and Mars becomes a jumping point to going to Saturn, and Saturn becomes a jumping point to going to another galaxy altogether, like, we're just going to start moving off our planet and setting up colonies on these other ones. Right. And, you know... I look back at history just in this country and look at Manifest Destiny and think, some of that was kind of BS. You yeah. know, Manifest Destiny is, is I understand needing to go see what's on the other side, but it doesn't mean that we own everything that we see along the way.
1: Right, I think it's going to, um, I mean, if we do stumble upon like a civilization that's um, not as civilized, Civilized, what, like, hypothetically speaking, what if we stumble upon a civilization that's not
0: advanced? Right.
1: But advanced enough where they want to kill us all.
0: And we could take advantage pretty easily. We could... I Really, all these lessons that we supposedly had learned mm-hmm. from the way that we treated the Native Americans... Let's be out the window. Right. They'd be out the window. And the argument would be what would the argument be if we went to another planet and decided to take the indigenous population and crap all over them and, and take land from them and enslave and, 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 and them or whatever else that we did? But what would be the rationale that we would use to do that? They're not people. Yeah. They're, they're not people. It's not like they're people, and it's it's the same thing that we... It's the same argument that they used against other...
1: Every, every, yeah, every, <laughs> everywhere we've ever conquered.
0: Right, and well, you know, the Aborigines, they're not people. Mm-hmm. You know, the the people of Africa, well, they're not people. Like, that's... And, and by the way, like, they are. We've proven that right. they are, and... Uh, just the fact that it never even should have been in question that they were, but we would just take that same approach, and no lessons would have been learned from what we went through on this planet. We would just immediately go and do the same thing mm-hmm. to other planets, and there would be such it would cause it would, it would cause a civil war on Earth the way that we would try to treat other species of other planets. I'm pretty confident of that. But that's the that's the problem with having to extrapolate all of this is we don't really have a very good track record in these situations. Mm-hmm. There was a point at some point where you know, one person walked out of their cave and another person walked out of their cave and they looked at each other for the first time and their first instinct wasn't to shake hands and hug. You know, it was to attack. And that's what we are at our basis level, is we're defensive and offensive at the same time.
1: So you think our technology is outrunning our like the, our
0: society? We haven't socially evolved enough hmm. with our technology. Well, I mean, I think that, that kind of goes without saying because if you look at how we have been able to handle the technology that we have, like we talk about needing to be more responsible with the, the technology that we have. We, we have a, a government that has to argue about uh, a state government here in Massachusetts that has to put bill after, you know, year after year after year, they're trying to pass this bill that would ban handheld cell phone use in cars. right? That they say, well, we can't trust people to be able to make a phone call while they drive. So we need to ban this which I think is ridiculous. I think it's the stupidest thing that I've ever heard of. And I don't mean to belittle the people who have been involved in accidents from distracted driving. But I think that it's dumb to say we're going to outlaw that because then nobody will ever get better at doing it because they're still going to do it.
1: That's true, yeah. (laughs)
0: But now you're adding into the fact that now they've got to try to be sneaky when they do it. Mm -hmm. So now you're adding that element into it. So now it becomes even more of a distraction. Whereas, if you just let people do it, they will learn to be better drivers while they're talking on the phone. Was there ever a time when people were like, you know, we really need to consider banning radios while people are in a car because they're distracting to the driver? Right. So, no, people just learned how to be able to change the radio station while they were driving. And I'm sure people were involved in accidents. And I'm not trying to belittle the accidents. I'm not trying to say that... that, Mm -hmm. that, that, But it's just, it has to be an evolutionary thing. And so... That's probably why they're pushing
1: uh, automated cars.
0: I mean, but that's even going to have some problems. People will get killed from automated cars. I mean, now they have, you know, even just like the backup cameras and all the the vibration when you're backing up and you're about to hit something, all that stuff, it's not foolproof. Right. So... And that's just the you know the physical aspect of trying to use the phone while driving. There's also, you know, we talk about how we're not re- socially responsible enough for social media. Like, here we are being able to be connected to one another around the world in an instant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't need to make a phone call. I, didn- I have friends on social media that are all around the world. Spook Cat is watching us right now and chatting from Japan. Like, we are instantly connected with each other. And what do we do with it? We use it as a way to to fight with each other and to and we allow it to be utilized as a weapon against us. Right. And which hey, you can say what you want about about, you know, whether or not there was Russian collusion and all that stuff. The fact of the matter is, there's no doubt that Russia used social media to try to influence the election. That's not in question. So I'm not making a political statement here. I'm, I'm saying technologically speaking, they were able to get around whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, it's, it, it's not even a matter of it's not a hacking thing. That's the thing that everybody says is like Russia hacked the election. By
1: no, they just they they, they, just si- they signed up for Facebook like everybody else. Right?
0: They just they just and, exploited the system. Yeah.
1: And when it said where are you from, they were like, you not
0: Russia. <laughs> But that's, that's, that's the thing is, uh, you know, that's a responsibility, and, and you can blame Facebook for it. You can blame Facebook for selling off third-party data uh, and all this other stuff that's happened. But those are lessons that had to be learned as we went through this. And it shows that maybe we're not quite responsible enough to have what it is that we have. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm not saying that we should get rid of it in any way. But I'm just saying, it shows that there's cautionary things where we're not always as prepared for things as we think that we are.
1: Well, it goes back to like what you were saying with the the cell phones while driving. Um, you, we need to learn how to pilot. You know, we need to learn how to, uh, I guess, get along.
0: But also, the. It, um, if you look at it, it's it's definitely whether you have the mindset of being fearful of what can happen or trying to control what it is that can happen. So are you afraid of the potential or are you trying to mold the potential to go the way that you want it? And I think that fundamentally humans operate in fear.
1: So we, we, we fear what the things that are new.
0: Well, we look at it and we say, well, there's a lot of people that are that are that are dying hmm. because of these distracted driving accidents. So, oh, right. we have to get rid of That's distracted driving. As opposed to saying like, well, maybe we maybe we just accept the inevitable and when we're putting kids through driver's ed, part of their training is they talk on the phone while they're driving. Right. You know, they learn how to take a phone call while they're driving. Because then they'll be able to map. And here's the thing too. We're in this in between stage where people are still trying to master that. The younger people who are coming up and always having a cell phone in their hand, because even now, like if you look at the people who are teenagers starting to drive now, they probably didn't have cell phones till maybe they were 10 or 12. Yeah. You know, so they've only got five or six years experiences with a cell phone. Eventually we'll get to the point where a kid can have a cell phone like when they're one year, you know, a year old. Right, right. Like eventually we'll just do that because we will. You know, we used to say we can't let kids watch TV until they're five because it'll ruin their eyesight. No, we don't do that anymore. So eventually kids will grow up having that phone in their hand all the time and it will become second nature for them to be able to communicate through that. So when they get behind the wheel at 16 and a half, in this state at least, it's not going to be that difficult for them to be able to master that so you know but we operate from the fear the fear of what will happen and 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 the fear of all that instead of being like okay well how can we find a way to curb that in a smarter fashion but and this by the way this doesn't just come from me saying i want to be able to talk on my cell phone while i'm driving because i i don't like to talk on my phone i don't like to talk on my phone (laughs) at all i don't want a phone call I just I, I prefer people message me and text me and email me, which automatically makes me breaking the law anyway, because we we're not allowed to check text. Mm. But then the whole thing is stupid anyway. Because I have GPS on my phone. So I need to have the GPS running. Right. Now when I do it, I plug it into my sound system in my car so I don't have to look at it. She's telling me where to go. But like as a you know, doing Uber. Anybody that drives Uber or Lyft, you have to be looking at your phone constantly while you're driving. Right. So now you're saying that you can't you can't do that? So I think we're going in a lot of different directions tonight, but that's fine. If anybody wants to jump in on any of this, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking at Matt, so I'm kind of uh, avoiding the chat room a little bit, and that's not on purpose. I just don't want to... Uh, well, the, and oh, sorry, so here's a, a point that uh, Age of Quarrel makes here, you know, or kids just need to grow up and stay off their cell phones when they're driving. Well, but that's <laughs> that's not going to happen. Their
1: goddamn cell
0: that's it's not going to it's not going to happen. Like, yes, you want that to be the case. And that is the easy answer. But it's not going to happen. So you need to face the reality of that and try to find ways around that. And that's mm-hmm. – I mean that's what this bill here in Massachusetts is trying to do. It's not saying you can't talk on the phone. It's just saying that you have to use a hands-free device. And they're actually working on plans where they might be able to provide hands-free devices to like low-income families that can't afford it, which is kind of stupid when you're talking about it because it's a low-income family. But they've got the $1,000 iPhone they need the hands-free device for that so they can buy the phone, but they can't buy the $20 hands-free device. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I'm not even getting into all that. I'm just saying that... Uh,
1: I mean, they, I, they could force uh, phone manu- manufacturers to give you one,
0: too. Right, so that it becomes part of the, the package when you buy the right. phone. Right, you,
1: you get, like, a little Bluetooth thing with it.
0: And, and also, they could... I mean, this is all easily... easily uh, regulated, too, if they wanted to. Like... They could make it so that a phone doesn't work at all in a car if oh, right. they wanted to. Yeah. They could make it be a, um, you know, what's what's the what's the term that they do when they block out all uh, signals from being able to come in? Or oh, like a like a uh, cell phone jammer? Yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. could they could basically just make every car do that. That the minute you turn the when the minute you put it into drive that kicks in. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it's not fair to the passenger. Hey, we have to protect... We have to make sure the driver's not doing it so the passenger has to suffer because we operate in fear. Right. So, you know...
1: I mean, they do have uh, drive modes and stuff like that, but they're not not required and nobody, hardly anybody uses them.
0: It's it's insane to me that uh, a person that works here, I won't say who, but a person that works here, they have the option that when they're driving, they're... Their cell phone does not do text messages. Yep. And I will get, like, I'll go to text this person, I'll get a message saying, like, I'm driving right now and I'm using this thing to keep me from getting text messages while I'm driving. And I'm like, or wait for it. Here's an idea. See if, try this one on for size. See if it works. See what you think. You don't answer the phone when somebody texts you while you're driving, you just let it sit there.
1: There you go. That's what I do.
0: That's a possibility. Like we can totally not have to pick up our phone. You don't have to answer every phone call that we get while we're driving. Right. But I, I think we've gotten a little bit off topic uh with some of this. By the way, as we're talking about um as we're talking about uh, uh things of our past, um you know, the new season of Stranger Things is coming up next month. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And it, yeah, well, I love the fact that it's going to be um you know, a different time period for the show, mm-hmm. you know, they've been moving the, the story right. forward. Uh, but also like, it's going to be, you know, they're not in school. It's summertime. So that opens up some different story possibilities, but also like the mall is going to be a big part of it.
1: Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, I mean, I only, I only saw the trailer. I haven't really read anything about it or uh, seen seen anything more about it. Um, and I wasn't alive. I don't Well, I, I mean, I don't remember the, the big brouhaha of the malls.
0: You don't remember when the malls started, but right. you you were there for the malls because we used to go right, to the mall,
1: right? But I but I was in, um I don't remember the protests and uh, the uproar about it.
0: Oh, see, I don't remember protests. I might have been too young for that. Like for me, the big malls when I was a kid. For anybody that's listening locally, you know, we had. I I grew up in in the Randolph Brockton area for the first you know seven eight years of my life. So the big thing. Around there was, we had the South Shore Plaza mm-hmm. and the Brockton, uh, the Westgate Mall in Brockton. So those were like the big malls. And then I moved to Plymouth and we would go to the Hanover Mall. Uh, and then after Plymouth, I lived in Sandwich and we had the Cape Cod Mall. So there was always like a big mall. Oh, and the Kingston Mall opened up while I lived in Plymouth. Um, so all these like malls were, like you know, um, they were welcomed when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there being the protests and all that, but it was such an important part of our lives. Right. Like, I would go to the mall once a week.
1: Yeah, it was a normal thing. Just
0: And if you wanted to go to the movies, you didn't go to the one weird movie theater that was in your town or in the strip mall or whatever. You went right. to the one at the mall. Right. So you could do other stuff, too. And, you know, when you're dating somebody and you don't know what to do, you just went to the mall because you would figure out something to do while you were at the mall. Mm-hmm and it was it just you'd go and hang out and you didn't have to have anything in mind. but anyway so that's I'm excited about that but uh, also they you know they they've worked in a product placement thing. Oh with, did they? With Stranger Things. Right? Have you not seen this? Uh no. So 1985 was the year that new Coke came out. Oh yeah. So they've worked out a thing where new Coke is actually part of the Stranger Things universe.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: And so, in response, New Coke, uh, Coca Cola is re releasing New Coke, like that formula.
1: Right. That nobody
0: liked. In conjunction with Stranger Things. Okay. So, there's, you can actually order, uh, you can actually order New Coke Hmm. from, you can't go, you won't be able to buy it in stores because they only made like 500,000 cans or something. So, you have to order it from the Coca Cola website and it's not cheap. It's you get two bottles of Coke, glass bottles of Coca Cola Classic, with Stranger Things packaging, and two cans of New Coke. How much do you think that that costs?
1: Uh, well, you did say it was pricey, but maybe twenty bucks.
0: Nineteen eighty-five. Really? Ah, yes. I like it. So, uh, so I ordered two. Yeah. Two sets, um, because I'm just going to expense it. Because <laughs> we're going to make go. a video about it, yeah. And uh, I,
1: I've never had a New Coke before. Well,
0: I think uh, so. I'm getting, I'm essentially getting four cans of New Coke. So I think we'll do one can for the taste test for like WBSM and Fun 107, and then I think we'll save another can and do it for Spooky South Coast. That's cool. And yeah. then I'll put two cans away, nice, because they're collectors' items too. So um, I don't care about the Stranger Things ones. I'll probably sell those on eBay later, <laughs> right? If anybody wants to buy a Stranger Things glass bottle of Coke from me, or I'll, I might just drink them because I love Coke in a glass bottle. But that was the mistake that Coca-Cola made, by the way. It was that they just made the shift to new Coke. They just decided to do it and switch mm-hmm. from one to the other. If they had put it out as a separate option and always kept original Coke, right. it might have lasted because there were people that did like new Coke. It's apparently sweeter, but also a little flatter,
1: I guess. Yeah, I mean... Um I don't know if it was you or someone else who was telling me that it was a plan. It was planned by Coca-Cola. That's a
0: conspiracy theory.
1: To yeah, so that people would be like, "No, we love Coke."
0: And and if that's true, it was beautiful, and it was one of the best marketing plans of right. all time. That's a good. That's a conspiracy theory. To I don't show. even know if it's that <laughs> much of a conspiracy because I, as I almost accept it as fact because it, it came at the time of the Pepsi Challenge. Mm-hmm. So the Pepsi Challenge was, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, there was this whole thing where Pepsi would go to uh, popular places like malls or they would go to, uh, like I used to, I, I saw them at the Rocky Point Amusement Park, which, by the way, there's an exhibit going on right now in Warwick uh, about Rocky Point with some memorabilia there. Really want to go nice. check it out? Yep. You can find the story at fun107.com. Our friend Jason Mayo is one of the people that put it together. Yeah. But, he had a great um, movie about... It. He did, yeah. and and they have some of the House of Horrors memorabilia there, too, including some of the carts. Mm. Did he have a, a comic as well, or...? He did. He did the comic nice. before he did the, the movie. Um, so you can... You know, you would go to these places, and Pepsi would be there, yeah. and Pepsi would have the little taste testing, and the guy hated me at Rocky Point because... I got it right every time. I knew which one was Coke every time, right? Because okay. I can tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi. And um, like he eventually, had to tell me to go away. And I only kept doing it because I just I wanted to freeze. So Why would enough? they f- do?
1: Was the uh, the Pepsi challenge to see like which one was better? Yeah, and that most okay. people
0: would pick Pepsi over Coke.
1: Like, okay, people but, would walk but up you can you, you can tell the difference. It's not like
0: right. So, but their their thought their their theory was like you were just going up to it and saying like which one you liked better, yeah. Like so it wasn't like which one's Coke, which one's Pepsi. It's like just just try these and tell us which one you think is the best. And people would be like, oh, that one's way better than that one. And it would always be hmm. Pepsi that they chose. Um, there's a call coming in. We'll put that on hold right now. Might be a Lamone. We've only got twenty minutes left in the show, um, but the the uh the Pepsi challenge was like a big thing and they were marketing it as you know all these people are picking Pepsi it's the choice of a new generation mm-hmm. and so coke was like well maybe we got to mix it up and they created what they felt was a flavor that was closer to Pepsi because if you ask most lifelong coke drinkers what's the difference yeah Pepsi tastes kind of flat to me and now i've had this weird paradigm shift i was a i was a coke person my whole life and now I can drink Pepsi, too? Like, I just switch off oh, yeah. between the yeah. two. Like, I'm going to get a Pepsi this time because it's on sale. I'm going to go. Coke. But um, what ended up happening was, uh, like you said, there was such a, a blowback from new Coke that they pulled it after only a few months, I guess, and went back to... And they re-released Coke under the name Coca-Cola Classic. So, which I think it was only a few years ago that they got rid of the classic part of the name. Yeah, like, like still marketing to think. as such, but that was that was the idea behind it. Is like, okay, you wanted it, you're getting the classic Coca-Cola, so it was brilliant marketing. Hmm. But I didn't. I, I I remember drinking New Coke at the time and not hating it.
1: Uh, somebody said that it tasted like RC Cola. Is that is that accurate?
0: That's a pretty fair comparison.
1: Yeah, because it's weird because I I haven't had New Coke. But um I have had R. C. Cola and Diet Right and Tab. So I don't know. <laughs>
0: what's what's
1: Oh and Mr. Pibb. What's your That's favorite soda
0: if you had to pick a soda?
1: Doctor Thunder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not the real Doctor Pepper. It right. has to be the Walmart right. knockoff. Uh is that really your favorite though? Um, you like Dr. Pepper?
1: Yeah, I like Dr uh Doctor Pepper. it would probably be my go to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like I, it depends on what it depends on what I'm eating too. I'm the same way. Sometimes I want a root beer, sometimes I want a Dr Pepper. Like if you are having hot dogs, like Coney Island hot dogs, you mm. got to get a root beer. Root beer. Absolutely root beer. All Absolutely, day. Root beer. Yeah. Um, and I actually got into it with uh with Bimo the other day on social media. Bimo who used well no. he still works for 7 yeah. but um because he was talking about um there was some sort of like new bark's thing. Okay. And uh I I wrote back, you know, too bad it's such a terrible root beer. He's like, no, Barks is good root beer. I'm like,
1: no, it's bad. It is. You don't I
0: know. It's not even. Do they even call it root beer?
1: No, they. I don't know. They just call it. It's bark. Barks has bite.
0: Yeah, I think it, so. they just call it Barks. I don't think they refer to it as root beer. They did it at the beginning, but I don't think they do anymore. But it's it's not root beer. Like root beer is root beer. Like, right. It, there's there's a there's a there's an underbite to it. There's a there's an earthiness right. to it. And I feel like, the, like a
1: good root beer has like a little bit of creaminess to it.
0: Yes. I still say the best root beer. I don't know beer,
1: where that comes from, though, because it's soda. So
0: The best know. root beer I've ever had is Virgil's. Yep. And uh, and it's I won't say Virgil's is the best cream soda I've had, but it's the best root beer I've ever had. But it's up there for cream sodas. Let's take some phone calls as we're getting really off topic. Let me make sure I take that out and put this through and turn that on. To call. Good evening, you're on spooky south coast. Are you with us? Uh, is it is that you Lamone? That's that's totally not me. That's definitely this person's phone. Alright, so that's everything's fine over here. I could hear it. It's just somebody's phone isn't isn't a good connection, or maybe maybe they weren't there when they didn't if you want to call in. I'm going to take a really quick 30-second break, uh, and we'll be right back with more Spooky South Coast in just a moment.
2: Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store.
0: All right. Well, we do have some calls coming in now, so let's see if we can take them and, uh, and see if that wasn't just a, a phone anomaly. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. hello are you there i can hear you trying but i can't hear you You, you, you're gonna either get a better connection or a better phone hello oh there i knew it was you lamone because whenever we have phone problems i can tell that it's you are you there oh you know what he can't hear me that's probably the issue can you hear me now lamone Can you hear me now, LeBone?
2: Hey, what's up, Tim? Hey,
0: you there you are. Okay. So we, th- we just thought you were having a problem with your phone. Turns out it was probably me that was the problem. Oh, that was definitely I- me. I hit that button by accident.
2: And all this time, I thought it was a black thing.
0: No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. So what's on your mind?
2: Um, just uh, I've just been having problems getting through you guys all all night long. Um, I just, you seen silly yet?
0: I have not. No, how was it? It was very good. I've it heard was, good things.
2: It, it, and so I'm, it lets you to like waiting for a, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. And I don't know if they're going to have Minya in such a movie, Son of Kong. Are,
0: are they in? Are they in the same movie universe with these oh, reboots? Oh, yeah, with
2: well, their well, their children. You know, Godzilla's son, of Minya. He's adorable. And did you ever see the Son of God? Uh, son of Kong? Did you do that for sports?
0: Not, not the, no, I've only seen like the old, old, old one.
2: Yeah, but well, the old, old, black, white one. Yeah. That's, I that's saw the it one. That's years one. ago. He's adorable. If anybody gets to watch that, there's going to nothing but tears. You snap, you know, yeah, you your nose, your
0: eyes. See, those, those, uh, those of us who grew up here in the Boston area, we had, uh, we had Creature Double Feature when we were kids on Channel Saturday 56. Night. Yeah, they would run two, two, two of those type of movies back to back.
2: Those were the days. That's like out know, right here in Vegas. That feature feature. we'd have like that. out this weekend we had like a, you know, you know Danny, you know Count Custom. You Know that uh, show that's on the on uh, Super Channel. No, you
0: know Count Custom. I don't think I know that one. I know I know the big one now that I see on TV is uh, Sven gulli has gone national.
2: Yeah, uh, he's been on for he's been on for like since the
0: ages. Yeah, it? yeah, but he's just gone. He's just gone nationwide on MeTV. But you know, yeah, the, they all I think okay. it's it's better when they're when they're you know, when you have your own regional horror host.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. Well like I said, Danny uh, Danny Coker from Count Customs. He used to be on the farm stars, he would stare cars he a He used to be Count Cool Rider and so he used to do a show out here too. And so but uh what I'd like like I would like to give everybody something something fun to do. You know, when they get off the phone something they could probably enjoy the rest of the week until next the next week. What I, that's a song I'm sure you remember. And if you get a chance to look at the music video, the original video, everyone should watch it. You know, Jay Guile, fan Center Yeah, That was a that was a fun song. You know, you, you everybody wants something fun. And that's a good, exciting fun song. It is for you, like can,
0: you can never get away with it today. But Oh, yeah, but, our, but you're
2: if this few words or and they get off the phone, they're like, Oh, he's right. This is for our playlist that cool black guy
0: in Vegas it's always correct you know it keeps everybody Well the time Yep it's a it's a great video a great song a great band um and certainly you know uh, Peter Wolf the, the you know the lead singer of the Jay Giles band was one of the uh, early DJs here on, a, on an old rock station we used to have called WBCN And he used used to do that whole, whole, you know, the whole, uh, the platters that matter, the, the stack of wax, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like he was that kind of a DJ. Uh, and he, and he was the woova groova then when he was, when he was a, a DJ. And that's where it kind of translated into their music. But I remember, um, you know, they, they've done a few like kind of reunion weekends for those old, old, uh, groups of DJs that would come out. And he would always come back on and, and spin records again. And that's, you know, that's, that's how that people found cool. out that's how people found out about music back then was yeah. by the DJ bringing in what they wanted them to hear. That's like me,
2: when I used to you at Eddie's one, the only black station in the at that time. I, I when I first started playing uh, Boys and you know, Michael Bivis was a good friend of mine, all all of the musicians of Israel. He said, Hey, play this so I I play a first person to play that song. You know, Motown Philly. That's also first person to play like uh O P P you know you know, mm-hmm. That yep. was OPC, yeah, you know I me, mean? Naughty by yeah, right nature, know. yep. Yeah,
0: that was, awesome. that was a fun video. Look at that. I'll, I'll, a, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story, Lamon, and then we've got to move on to the next caller. But uh, I, I covered the Celtics for, for a long time, and uh, and I was uh, at, at the uh, at the playoffs covering a Celtics game, and this is when Michael Bivens was writing a, a column for NBA.com. And really? we're probably talking like maybe 2008, Eight, 2009. 2008. And – and he is sitting there on his phone in the in the dining room where we had dinner before the game. He's sitting there on a BlackBerry, writing his column, his two thousand word column for NBA.com, on a BlackBerry. I was very impressed by that. Those were the days. My yeah. fingers are too big. No, I can't. I can barely send a text message to anybody on, on, on a phone today, let alone on a BlackBerry. Especially when you had to. Those were the ones where you had to like, you know, you had to press the button like three times to get the letter that you wanted. So, actually, oh. no, the, the, even some, I had the only BlackBerry where you had to do that. I had the BlackBerry <laughs> Pearl, which nobody else had, um, but most of the BlackBerries had a full keyboard. I was just you, too cheap. Did
2: you notice that, like, most, not too many, there was a lot of African-Americans that didn't have BlackBerry. You know, what's up with that? You figure, like, you know, we got to represent, right? Well, there was, not. there
0: was the T-Mobile sidekick at the time, which was, like, the competitor of the BlackBerry. So well,
2: that's just, like, the car sidekick, you know, the. Not quite cheap. Not quite The, side the Suzuki Sidekick. Exactly. Yeah. Dang, that might be not. That might be my new colleague when you come to Vegas.
0: So, right. yeah. I look forward to that. We'll 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 tool around in a, in a classic '88 Sidekick.
2: Okay. One more thing, I gotta say. Uh, uh I would like to say next this Thursday coming up, we're to be the, the dark phoenix. Yep. So anybody if you're if you know, I'm thinking it, it. It took them two years to get it done. I'm expecting it to be good. I, I'm really upset because most people are just upset because Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, who's going take his place. But I right. think more people are upset about, about Patrick Stewart. If you look at Patrick Stewart, he looks just like
0: Professor X. Oh, yeah. He used to talk about, book. in the 80s, he used to talk about how people would tell him that they, you know, he looked just like this comic book character and he had no idea what they were talking about. But I think McAvoy's done a pretty good job of being Professor X, too.
2: That's just because he's young and so like you know, I can see that, you know, a little bit but cat but kind of like I said, you know, if you see how this this story is starting uh the dark feeling, it's like thirty five, it's like like forty years so it's like thirty like thirty eight years prior to to um to the old man Logan songs. Right. That's like the Avengers Endgame. That was like that was like like forty years prior to the song. And so and I think it's sad, they didn't put him in there. He was one of the he's one of the two people that they didn't have that actually built the built the, wilted the uh, Infinity Gauntlet, you know, uh, the, uh, Adam Warlock, and then he built on the, on uh, on Thanos's eyes, up above the right eye, down the three claws. The Wolverine, he's with the one put scars on. Like I said, you know, and I'm going to dress like Wolverine, that like that, well, like I always do. I want
0: you got to put some pictures up on Facebook with that.
2: Well, I'll do that. I, I got pictures with George Norrie where I was festival well,
0: green. Post like, those up too. Like, oh, Actually, you have to accept my yeah. friend request. I still don't think you've accepted my friend request.
2: Okay. Well, I still haven't got my fight yet. My uh, Facebook page got a new phone, and okay. uh, I've got, I know that's something I was planning on doing like Monday or Tuesday. So All I'm right. going to get to you play a play. I'll Sounds good my to me. Person, you know, you might like. That's another cool dude by that name. <laughs> All and, right.
0: uh, I'm going to let you go so, so we can move on to this next caller, and we only got a few oh, minutes left. Did you read through the Weekend and where? No, we don't have one this week. Matt Blystein's actually on vacation this week.
2: Oh, so, so conveniently, huh? When you were guys gone? Just to get this. Hey, okay, Matt. I'm not hating upon. Him.
0: No, he made he, he, when I was gone. He made weekend weirds, and we still put him out. So I know. He's, I know. So he's I'm, dedicated. I'm
2: giving him love. And so
0: I guess I guess
2: your, your uh, other Matt that's there right there. He's more talkative today. Last week he was like he's well, like a shadow, like a ninja. Like I said, you know, I was just wanting to give him love
0: too. He's always he's always willing to talk. I just don't always let him. I'm i I control the conversation way too much. It's like it's like you're his wife. husband, huh? You go. Shut <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lamont. You yeah. have a good week. Right, talk right, to right. you. talk what to what next week. You I, I gotta let? Like, I gotta let uh, you go, man. I gotta let oh, you go. We got another caller. I only got three minutes left. Oh, cool. I just want to insert some Noah's
2: Ark. All right. Just go look at that that old documentary from
1: Turner,
2: like PBS. That's probably uh, the best. You know. The, uh, this documentary is that you could ever about the Bible. All right. Yeah, well, search for well, Nova's not not Leonard voice search but search for Novel's
0: art. Okay, Everybody we'll do
2: get it. Play on, play boy. God bless you. You I'll as well. You right soon. back at you. Take,
0: Take it easy. All right, let's go into this next call. And the amount of time that we have left. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast.
3: Hey Tim, it's Mark Carlacruz. Hey Mark, doing? how's it going? Good. In the '80s, when I was in high school, I worked in a liquor store, and we bought such volume. We we had the original Coke, and then they came up with new Coke, and then they came up with Coke Classic, and we we tried the difference between all three, and the, new, the Coke Classic that we have now, that's supposed to be the original Coke, uh-huh. tastes different than the original Coke. Well, I've heard that.
0: Part of the problem, too, though, is that, uh, that Coke has the, well, now they use the uh, high-fructose corn syrup instead of the natural sugar. Yeah, and I don't think I might be wrong on this, but I don't think Coke has gone to a, a cane sugar version again, like Pepsi has. Pepsi's gone and they put out Pepsi and they put out um, uh, Mountain Dew and I think a couple of other products with actual cane sugar. I
3: thought Coke had a special cane sugar, but it was short lived.
0: I don't know if they did. I don't remember getting it. I, now, but what I, know I the want
3: though now is in is in the original. I want the doctor. The Pepper new vanilla orange, orange Coke is pretty good.
0: Yeah, I like that. But um, the
3: the, the diet one is better than, or the sugar-free, whatever they do to it, is better than the regular one, which is weird.
0: Have you ever had uh, pure cane sugar Dr. Pepper? No. Matt and I have had it. We, we got it from, uh, I don't know if you know VB that used to be on Channel 25, and, and uh, he was on the Howie Carr show. and he, um, yeah. he When when Matt and I were working at the diner, he came there and, and did a, a diner Wednesdays segment with us and he brought us like real cane sugar dr pepper because we had told him that we were dr pepper fans and he orders it from the one bottling plant where you can still get it from oh geez and so uh he gave us he gave us each like a four pack or something and we made not only did we drink it like straight up and cold but we made hot dr peppers with it and a hot Dr pepper is something everybody needs to try
3: hot dr pepper huh
0: you, you can only do it with the cane sugar, Dr. Pepper. It doesn't work if you do it with this corn syrup one. It, like, burns or something. But uh, There's
3: a place in uh, Norwood called The Spot, and they have all these old sodas. And even a real soda fountain still. Oh. So I wonder if they have it.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, you, like I said, you have to order from this one plant.
3: Yeah. But um, that's you, the you heat it
0: up on the stove, and then you serve it in a, in a mug with a thin, thin slice of lemon. And they say that it cures everything that ails you. That's, that's where the Dr. Pepper... You know huh. uh, what was it six ten and four or whatever, uh, whatever it was, like that's yep. that's where it comes from is you know that they thought drinking this would would uh, improve your health.
3: I never got into Dr Pepper. I tried Mr Pibb recently. I like that way better, but it's very rare to find out here.
0: Yeah, it's coming out more and more. Mr Pibb is like what like a more carbonated Dr Pepper, right? Isn't that kind yeah. of the difference?
3: But it's more out in like California. You seldom see it over here.
0: Yeah, Chuck E Cheese here in Dartmouth carries it.
3: Yeah, I can't just walk in and chuck your e. cheese, that'd be a little odd.
0: No, no, it's I think they I think they're understanding enough of it. When you when they you know they check you at the door now and they're like, Do you have any kids? And you're like, No, I don't have any kids, they're like, I'm just here for the Mr. Pib. They're like, Okay, that's fine.
3: Oh, that's right. I know uh the round one uh arcade in the town Mall has it.
0: Oh, see, there you go. You can so be that's... any age and go there.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: So Alright, you have a good night. You as well, take care. Thank and, you. Bye. And, uh, Matt, it looks like the the picture dropped off. Am I too ugly for the camera? Or did you just, oh, you click something? Okay. We just saw people saying that and I was like, oh, 10, 2, and 4. Ed said, thank you, Ed. Uh, you think I'd remember that because I have like Dr. Tim, uh, Dr. Tim. I have Dr. Pepper, like, signage and stuff, like those old, like, tin signs. I have like the knockoff ones, the reproduction ones, like they sold in the craft stores. But, uh, yeah, so that'll do it for this week's show. Next week, I promise you that uh, we'll be a little bit more on topic. I will be less floaty. It's, it's, I, I considered, um, considered taking tonight off just because I had such a rough day yesterday. I worked from 5 in the morning until 10 at night with just a, a brief hour off for an eye doctor's appointment. So I was like, eh, I don't want to go in, but... I didn't want to not do a show. Great. Real quick before we uh, let everybody go. Uh, remember Square One TV, Matt? Did you ever watch that, Square One? So I posted a video of uh, the nine song. Fantastic number nine. Any number, times any number you can find, it all comes back to nine. So anytime you multiply nine by, you know, anytime you multiply numbers that equal nine. So three times three is nine. But then, I'm sorry. Anything you multiply by nine, the, the the answer you add the numbers up it equals nine now i'm getting it out of my head correctly so two times nine is 18 one and eight is nine three times nine is 27 two and seven is nine and then if you have a you know like a three number one you have to add those numbers up and then uh what's that called the quotient is that what it is when you have the answer for multiplication problems so when you add that all up it'll all come back to nine when you get it all down to a single number it's nine so uh, that's my question for all of you this week. How the hell does that work? But it does. So maybe somebody can explain that to me. Email me, Tim, at SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, you can also tweet me, at Tim Weisberg. And you can get all of us, spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, anytime during the week. Catch all of our podcasts on iTunes. Catch all of our videos on YouTube. And uh, we're pretty much all over the internet. Follow us on Instagram. You can find me on Snapchat. All of that stuff, because we like being sociable with you. We'll come back next week for another edition of Spooky South Coast. Until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Kylie, I'm Tim, and we want you all out there to stay stay spectacular and keep looking to the skies.